You missed the treehouse, don't you? Yes, well, like I said last week, we're in a bit of a transition because uh, things, are, things are coming back online and uh, we have to bear with the transition. We'll, we'll miss it, but the kids will have it live when Brother uh, Rob is here. So thanks to him and all that he does. And uh, also, I just want to say uh, my thank you to the worship team and all uh, who work so hard for Friday. If you missed it, definitely look forward uh, to the next time we announce uh, a worship night. It was absolutely refreshing, and I'm grateful for all of those that were making it come to pass because uh, for me, it was just so refreshing just to be able to come in and, and worship and not worry about anything. It was great. So look for it again uh, when we announce it. Be a part of it. And we're looking forward to doing some things as the weather warms up. So just uh, keep your ear to the ground as we make announcements. Summer's coming. Spring's here. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to today, too. So the Word of God we're going to break into. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount. And you should all know that if you've been here at all in the last couple of months. This morning, we're moving into chapter 6. And chapter 6, Jesus began a new topic. The first verse, he introduced it. He said, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. He used this word reward. He's been using reward language. And he talked then about three things not to do in front of other people, and we've talked about them as well. We did a series at the beginning of last year, January and February of 2020. We covered these first 18 verses of Matthew chapter 6, and then what happened? COVID happened. So I don't know if you really remember it that well. And if you need a refresher, you can go online. All of the messages are online. You can come up to speed if you need to. To cover those first 18 verses of Matthew chapter 6, we're going to move beyond them this morning to verse 19, where Jesus concluded his thoughts on when you fast. That was coming into verse 18. And then it brings us to about the middle of Matthew chapter 6. So we're going to look at verses 19 through 24 for this morning's life application. And verses 19 through 24 read this way. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 
Here, once again, Jesus uses reward language. It's in a little different sense than he has before. And he didn't really employ the word reward, but he's pointing at gaining treasures. And we could take that as a reward. But it's not a reward that follows a certain deed or a good deed. He is using language about active participation and building up, storing up something for the future. So it's future looking. And we might think in our own lives of a financial planner, somebody who helps with looking forward to uh, the day that we retire and they usually give you advice about setting a little bit aside from each paycheck. And then when the time comes, you're rewarded with a comfortable retirement. Jesus spoke somewhat similarly. And he uses both a negative and a positive context. First came the negative. Do not. Do not. So what are we not to do? Do not store up your treasures on earth. What are the treasures of earth? Well, Jesus later in the closing verses that led to verse 24, he clearly connected it to money because you can't serve both God and money, he said. So the treasures of earth are connected to money and, of course, all the things that we can acquire, all the possessions we can gain with money. Why did Jesus say, do not store these things up? Well, he said clearly, and he explained it, because they can become corrupted and deteriorate. And that's the image he gives of moths and vermin. Moths eat clothing. Moths eat wool. They can destroy what we wear. And so the people of Jesus' time, that may have been a very stark image to them. And then vermin, mice and rats and termites, they can destroy structures. They can destroy objects. Things in the natural world are temporary. And then Jesus said, there's thieves. What you store up can be stolen. Even if you invest money in the bank, even if you put it aside with someone you trust, banks have failed. And we were recently reminded, if you're watching any news, just a couple of weeks ago, a man died who had notoriously bilked people of their investments. His name was Bernie Madoff. He passed away a couple of weeks ago. And he's infamous for having made off. I guess he lived up to his name. He made off with over 17 and a half billion. That's a lot of cash. 17 and a half billion dollars before his Ponzi scheme was exposed and collapsed. Moths, vermin, thieves. Jesus pointed out the treasures of this life, they're only temporary. They can disappear. They can become corrupted. They can be gone in a flash. So don't store them up for yourselves, he said. Do not do that. Then he presents the positive. Do, do. What are we to do? Do store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Why? There is no moths. There is no vermin. There's no deterioration. There's no thieves. Completely safe. And Jesus followed that positive 
with the line of scripture that's often quoted, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Throughout the Sermon on the Mount, which again was to everyday people, that's why we can take it in and really apply it. It's to everyday people. Throughout this sermon, we've often said that Jesus was teaching about matters of the heart, surpassing the righteousness of the Pharisees early on, a matter of the heart. Being angry with a brother. Well, he said that borders murder. It's a matter of the heart. Turning the other cheek. Giving your coat to someone who wants your shirt. Praying for those who persecute you. These are matters of the heart. And all of those parts of the sermon, Jesus implied the heart condition. But here, he's very direct. He points it out directly. There's no implication here. He states it. This is about the heart. This is about the heart. Where your heart is. And then he gives two images that relate to that. The first is the eyes. The, the eyes, what are you looking at? What are you focused on? The things of the world? If your eyes are focused on the things of the world, that's earthly treasure. And it's likened to what? Jesus likens it to unhealthy eyes, filling yourself with darkness. Then, to have healthy eyes, the things of God, focusing on the things of God. That's healthy sight that brings in light. Then he gives a second image. Two masters, God and money. You can't serve both. Double-minded, it's not going to work. The result is going to be Hating one and loving the other, devotion to one, despising the other, doesn't work. So he gives us these images. Now, what does it all mean to practical life? What does it all mean to practical application? What we've been calling the life app. How can we apply these words of Jesus? I think we all understand earthly treasure. I think we all understand money, possessions, how it can be accumulated, how we can accumulate the things of this world. Stuff, just getting more stuff, hoarding stuff. We can get lots of stuff with our money. But what about the treasures of heaven? What are the treasures of heaven? How can they be acquired and built up? So as we look at this life app we call storing up, Jesus said, Build treasures in heaven. And he gave examples. He gave examples throughout his sermon that apply to this. He gave examples of gaining rewards or treasure in heaven. And not just here in the Sermon on the Mount, but elsewhere. But at the open of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus wrapped up the Beatitudes. That the opening lines, and he said this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you falsely, and say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So to gain treasure in heaven, Jesus pointed it out right there. Rejoice and be glad when you're persecuted, because great is your reward in heaven. To gain treasure in heaven, rejoice when you're persecuted. Builds up treasures beyond this world. And then 
follow the other things that we've talked about. Look back on the life applications. Follow those. Don't resist an evil person. Turn the other cheek. As I said earlier, if someone wants your shirt, give them your coat too. If you're forced to go a mile, go the extra mile. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Jesus said, what reward will you get if you only love the lovable? Even tax collectors do that. We talked about that last week. Your reward in heaven comes from going beyond. Another example. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus talked about giving a banquet. When you have a banquet, Jesus said, don't invite the important people and the influential people that will reciprocate for your good deed that you invited them to your banquet. No, instead he taught this, Luke 14, verses 13 and 14. When you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Again, a future. This is afterlife on earth. This is building up beyond the temporal life. Giving, being generous to others, especially those who can't repay. It reaps rewards in the next life. It builds treasures in heaven. Remember, too, at the open of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, when you give to the needy, do it in secret, and your Father in heaven will see it and reward you. A similar theme is found in Luke chapter 18. Jesus encountered a rich man. And that rich man asked him, Rabbi, how can I gain eternal life? Well, Jesus said, you know the commandments, right? And he rattled a few off. And the rich man said, yes, I know them. I've kept them even since I was a little boy. Jesus had more to say to him. And he said this in Luke 18, verses 22 and 23. When Jesus heard this, the man's reply about keeping the commandments, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was wealthy, very wealthy. So this very wealthy man was sad at hearing what Jesus had to say. His eyes were fixed on his possessions, on his stuff, on his money. He was too attached to the earthly treasure. Jesus said, give to the poor, sell those things, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And then Jesus added, follow me. The greatest reward of heaven, eternal life. That's what the rich man asked for. How do I gain eternal life? That's the greatest reward we could ever have. That's the greatest treasure we can, we can store up in heaven. And Jesus talked to him about that. And it comes only through Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. It's not good deeds alone. It's not good deeds alone that's going to gain us eternal life, but it's a life yielded and submitted to Jesus Christ, a life that acknowledges sin. I've sinned, Lord, I've sinned, and I need to repent. 
and turn my life over to you and receive that great gift that you made possible by giving your life. You gave your very life to pay the penalty I owed for my sin against God, my creator. Jesus did that. See, a life that acknowledges that and follows Jesus, learns more of him, imitates him. This is one that gains eternal life, that precious treasure of heaven. And then it's a life that continues following him. Jesus, he's clear though, don't neglect the good works. Don't hold so tight to the things of this world that it keeps you from following, that it keeps you from following him. The rich man went away sad. He was very wealthy. And he went away sad and he missed out on the greatest treasure of all, eternal life. Follow Jesus, give to others, be generous, and, and give into his kingdom. The prophet Malachi in the Old Testament said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and see that God will not open up the windows of heaven and bless you. Not just rewards that await in heaven, but blessings in the here and now. And what are we to do with the blessings in, in the here and now, the resources God bestows upon us? Well, there's a responsibility with that. A responsibility to sow back into the kingdom. When we receive material blessings, we're to sow it back into the kingdom. Jesus told a parable about that. We, we uh, know it as the parable of the talents or the parable of the bags of gold. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who goes away, he goes on a journey, and he entrusts some of his resources to his servants. To one servant, he gives 10 bags of gold. To another servant, five. To another, he gives one. And the one with 10 bags and the one with five bags, what do they do with their master's resources? They work for his kingdom. They work for his estate. They build up something for the master. And when the master returned, those who had invested into his estate were rewarded. This is Matthew chapter 25, verse 23. This is the response to those who took what the master had given them and worked it back into his estate. The master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. This is a parable that leads to and speaks of life after this life. For the servant that had the one bag who neglected investing it into his master's estate, Jesus said he's put out in darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now these are images of the afterlife. Those who worked and built for their master, they were building up treasure for his kingdom. And Jesus said this is how it works in the kingdom of God. You're building up treasure in heaven as you sow into his kingdom, right in the here and now. So in summary, storing up for yourselves in heaven, storing, storing up treasures that, that are beyond this life, they can be accomplished by following Jesus, submitting your life completely to him, acknowledging his sacrifice, learning of him, following him, and enduring persecution while rejoicing. Taking insults for your faith in Christ. 
preferring others above yourself, turning the other cheek and going that extra mile, being generous to others, especially those who cannot repay. And of course, giving into the kingdom of God, supporting the work of Christ here on this earth, in a word, tithing, and being faithful with the measure that you have received in this life, whether it be 10, 5, or 1. It doesn't matter if someone has 10 times more than you. All of us, we're to be that faithful servant who God has entrusted with something and, and then invest into his kingdom and build into his kingdom on earth and it builds treasures in heaven. And how are we doing in all these areas? How are we doing? That's the next point of application. And to know how we're doing, I, I say check your heart. Check your heart. In this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus used the word heart three times. He implied heart fairly often, but he only directly used the word three times in the Sermon on the Mount. The first time was in the opening, the Beatitudes where he said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The second time Jesus used the word heart, he connected it to lust. When you lust after someone in your heart, you, know, you, you are committing adultery, he said. And this third time, is where we're at today. The third time he used the word heart, and the final time in this Sermon on the Mount is this teaching on treasure, where Jesus directly points to the heart. The Greek word for heart is cardia, and that should sound familiar. It's where we get our English words like cardiac and cardiologist and cardio from Greek cardia. All those words have to do with the heart. However, when Jesus referred to the heart, he was not speaking of the natural heart, not this natural organ that beats inside of our chest that uh, has four chambers, two atriums, two ventricles. No, no, that's not what he was talking about. He was talking about the heart that's the center of our spirit. He was talking about our inner being. And the heart has more to do that heart, that inner person, it's more than just four chambers. It's full of chambers. Remember the, uh, the image we had up here for a couple of weeks of a heart. It was all these different boxes, all these various chambers. That's the heart to which Jesus was referring to that comprises our will and our inclinations and our emotions and our intuitions and our creativity and our wisdom, all of it in these various chambers of the inner heart. And they're, they're all connected and they're all fueled by what I say is the most central of that heart that Jesus is referring to. The innermost chamber, the seat of our desire, where we keep our greatest treasures, what we value most in that chamber is it earthly stuff. Is the seed of our desire on the, the things of earth that are going to fail and fade. This is the point that Jesus was a, attempting to make. He wasn't saying it's wrong to have money and possessions. No, he wasn't saying that. He was really pushing us to question what's the drive, what's the motivation behind all the accumulation? Is your heart centered on investing 
and building up earthly things, material possessions, and having more of them for yourself. And that's the caution of Jesus with the negative. Do not do that. Give some away. Be generous. But if you're like that rich man who becomes sad, is, is your heart anchored to these treasures on earth? Check your heart. When we have a natural heart problem, we see the specialist, the cardiologist. And one of the tests they might do is an electrocardiogram. Makes this little graph up and down of the beat of your heart. Can reveal many problems. They can look at that and read all kinds of things and tell you what issues you might have. Now imagine if you could do that for your spiritual heart. Imagine if you could do that. I would call it the search cardiogram. And where do I get that? How did I come up with that? From electrocardiogram, the search cardiogram. The search cardiogram for the inner heart. I get it from Psalm 139. It's a psalm of King David, and he began it this way, Psalm 39.1. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. David understood. He understood that God alone knows the heart. Scripture attests to that. His son, King Solomon, said, Lord, you know every human heart. You alone. Peter the Apostle, when the Gentiles came to Christ, and he was surprised by that, he said, God knows their heart. I can't keep the gospel from them because God knows their heart. Jesus, on more than one occasion, as he stood before a crowd of people, it's recorded, he knew their hearts. He knew their hearts. He knew what they were going to say before they even said it. And that's what King David understood about God. He began it in Psalm 139, saying, Lord, you've searched me. And then he went on, he said, you know everything about me. You know my thoughts. You know every word before I speak it. You always know where I am. I can't hide from you. Lord, if I go to the highest height, if I go to the deepest depth, even if I go to the blackest darkness, I can't hide from you. you. You always are there. You always see everything. You know everything about me. As a matter of fact, from the moment I was conceived, Lord, you knew everything about me. God, you created me. In my mother's womb, you knit me together, and you knew me. And David closed Psalm 139 then, not just with this admission that God knew everything about him and God has searched his heart. No, what he did, he submitted his heart to God. And he said, Lord, do a test on it. Lord, do a test. To me, it's where this spiritual search cardiogram comes from. These are the closing lines of Psalm 139. And I encourage you this week just to read the whole psalm. David said, Search me, God. He was no longer saying, Lord, you have searched me. No, he said, search me, God. He put his heart before God. Search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offense in me, any offensive way, and lead me in the way everlasting. He put himself before God and said, God, search me. Who knows our heart? The Lord knows our heart, and we know our heart. 
Would you ask him to search your heart? Would you ask the Lord to search your heart? You might scratch your head and wonder, well, how does that even work? Yeah, I, I heard what you said here in Psalm 139, but how does God do that? How can that happen? It can happen by the word of God. It can happen by the word of God. Hebrews chapter 4 says the word of God is alive and it's active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. That's exactly what David said. Everything is in, uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God already knows our heart. And if we would invite a search, if we would say, God, diagnose my heart. Maybe it's not in the right spot. And you really need to have it, you need to have that just impressed upon you. Well, let's use the word of God. What if we were to test our hearts right now? What if we were to test using the passage of Scripture we read today? What if we used to diagnose our heart the words of Jesus and do a search test on our heart? Lord, search my heart. Give me the, give me the test. Give me the gram, the, the cardiogram. Search it, Lord. And we use the words of Jesus. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Would you search your heart? Where's your treasure? That's the test. Look inside. Where's the treasure? The Lord knows the answer. So do we. Where's your treasure? Answering that question, what might the results be? Well, the results might be something like this. The results could be something like, with every, with every beat of my inner heart, at the apex of each beat, there's something connected to this life. What if you were to sketch it out? What if after this service you went home and you said, I'm going to do that. I'm just going to sketch out these images in my heart. What's in that inner, cha inner chamber? What might they be? Would the results be like this? A heart focused on money and accumulating things, homes and cars and, and money and not sharing them all and shopping and storing it up? All these things that rot and corrode and eventually go into the junk heap like we saw in the video this morning? Things that can be stolen, they're not safe, they can't be trusted? You know what that is? That's a positive result for storing up treasure for yourself on earth. It's an infection. Where's your treasure? What might the results of searching your heart be? Well, it could be also this. They could be a heart that's hanging on to some of these things of the world, but on some of those, some of the beats, if you will, there's space for Jesus. There's a spot maybe for his church sometimes. And one beat, it's the church, and another, it's the cross. But on others, it's still our stuff. Maybe, maybe that reflects a Sunday-only devotion to Jesus and his kingdom. Maybe the rest of the week is on the other things. Living a different life. Now, that's a heart trying to serve two masters. Can't be done, Jesus said, because one's loved, one's devoted to, the other one's hated and despised. So it's a positive result for an infection again, storing up treasures on earth while trying to serve two masters. Where is your treasure? 
is the result like this? A result that shows a heart following Jesus. Using his word. Using his word to search the heart. Using his word as the guide and the lamp to, to follow. Is it a heart that's helping others? Being generous to the needy, those who can't repay. A heart that gives to the kingdom, supports the church, is faithful as a faithful servant. Using the resources the master's provided. Is it a heart that pervert, prefers others above itself? Turning the other cheek and all, all that Jesus taught about going the extra mile. Where is your treasure? Is it a heart that, that's persecuted for Christ and, and rejoicing? And if that's your results, excellent. You are serving the master. And you're storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Let's take this search thing seriously. Yeah, I know I just like raced over it. But maybe today you could take some time. Open up the word of God to Psalm 139 and say, Lord, search me. Lord, search me. And go over there to Matthew chapter 6 and ask that question. Lord, where's my treasure? Lord, search me. Show me. If I'm trying to hide it and cover it up, the one thing I know for sure, you know. You know. And have them remind you if there's areas that need to be reprioritized and adjusted. As we close our service, let's begin that search. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We bless your name. Hosanna in the highest. You're worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, God, for the presence of your Holy Spirit, for the blessing of the cross for the visitation of Jesus Christ in our life. Lord, may we never, ever, ever put something above Jesus. May he always be central to our heart, to our character, to our innermost desires. Lord, help us to walk away with that and never put anything above him. Thank you, Lord. Bless your people. Bless them, God, as they go. You raise your hands for this blessing. The blessing that God gave to his people through Moses. May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give you peace. And may the peace of God that passes all of our understanding keep every heart and mind and soul through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen and amen.